We don't need the drip too strong early on. We got to set a precedent. Right. We're going all black motifs today. You're listening to the Stripped Podcast by the Lacrosse Flash, talking all things life and lacrosse with Tyson Dyke and Colton Clark. Once again, burn, shot, shoulder save off the post. Oh, it goes in. Are you kidding me? Looks like it trickled in. Let's knock my beer over again. All right, guys, welcome back to the Strip Podcast, episode number four. Today on the podcast, we have a native of Victoria, BC, a Sandwich Tiger in the Victoria Minor Systems, a Junior A Shamrock, a graduate of Mercyhurst University, a Senior A Shamrock, where he won two man cups, drafted by the Rochester Nighthawks, traded to the Anaheim Storm, 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 then off to Minnesota, traded to Edmonton, where he ended his career. Now he resides in the hometown of Victoria, BC, where he is currently a play-by-play broadcaster for the Colorado Mammoth, and also recently named the NLL favorite insider. Welcome, Teddy Jenner. Gentlemen, what a resume, man. What's going on? Let's cheers that. I like that last one the most. Favorite NLL insider. My mom loves that one the most. (laughs) Cheers, fellas. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Yeah, I was excited for you when I heard that news. <laughs> uh, great to have you on, though, Teddy. We have been talking about this for a while. Um, you've been a big supporter of Stripped and just the, the podcast since it was a twinkle in Colton in my eye. Um, that was a long time ago. You guys twinkled many years ago. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's I think was, true. Well, I think we originally brought up the idea over a year ago, right? We, we bought the podcast equipment. And then we were, after episode one, we were reached out by our new sound guy, Ben Jeffries, telling us that our equipment was dog shit. He would <laughs> yeah. come in and, and save the day for us. So. so Ben deserves all the credit. Ben deserves all we the credit. We just look better with yeah, reaching look- arms in here, with mics on them and, you know, colorful socks I on I could have worn my headset. That would have looked even cooler, right? Episode five will make... <laughs> we should have uh, got both of you guys in suits. And <laughs> We don't need the drip. Too strong early on. We got to set a precedent. Right. We're going all black motif today. That's well, we right, did. Yeah. Teddy, you were one of our first ever guests on Relax, which was solid in yeah, Colorado. In Colorado. Yeah, that was that was probably you know looking back on that whole project. Rest in peace. Um, was one of my favorite episodes. We got into the Nacho story. There were some things that we obviously couldn't get into, <laughs> but uh, no, that was um, that was a lot of fun. And it just like it's so much better when you have personalities kind of all able to come together and and work together to kind of achieve a common goal and this is something that you've been at for so long man like you know i i have a ton of respect for you we became friends years ago but for what over a decade now you've been doing off the crossbar mm, oh not not quite not quite so getting there though yeah so i stopped playing in 08 yeah and even my last couple of years i was already um writing about the national lacrosse league yeah. i was using a pseudonym um on the uh on the on the, on the rude Twitter. boys on the <laughs> on, on, on when rude boys was around yep. Shaden santos and colin doyle and paul tutka had rude boys so i was writing under a pseudonym for their site while i was still playing okay. the wla and, and the nll so <laughs> no i could way. i was still kind of chirping some guys and i was kind of saying some things that um you know you usually wouldn't say so it's like, like a burner account it, yeah burner it was accounts? like a burner account okay um <laughs> nice. but it was a, a blog pod uh, like a blog article type yeah. thing so that's kind of where i started um and then once i got out of the game uh I, I went worked for the family and sold cars for a bit and hated my life every step of the way not really but it just wasn't my thing yeah for sure um and uh my dad found columbia academy which was a radio school just down the road from mm-hmm. here from where we are 
and over here in Vancouver. And I went to that and got back into the radio world, worked at 1040. And that's when I started Off the Crossbar as a radio show. That's when it originally started. So that was, uh, debuted my May 3rd, 2010. So that was so, my, my yeah, dad's birthday. There yeah, you go. You're coming up on a decade, buddy. Holy crap. Yeah, I guess it is. It's impressive. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Uh, so yeah, it started as a, as a, as a radio show. I, I sold the airtime to the BC Junior League and, and the WLA, and so they were my two main sponsors, and mm -hmm. TSN 1040 um, was fantastic to help me get it on the air, and, and so we started for the next couple years of, of doing the radio show, weekly radio show that covered the WLA and covered the, the NLL, and um, once I moved back to Victoria in 2012, I was literally recording it on Friday nights in Victoria and then sending it to the radio station to air Saturday nights. Yep. But by that time, things would have already happened. Yeah. And so sometimes the news gets out and, or the show airs and it's delayed and, and news isn't on there. Or it's, I'm you know, saying the guy's on this team, but he's just been traded 24 hours ago. So right. um, that's when I stepped back uh, from doing the radio show that way and just turned it into a podcast. And it actually, it actually helped the podcast grow because I didn't have to worry about time constraints. I could keep guests on for as long as I wanted. We could cover a varying range of topics and... It's just continued to grow, and and mm. the guys that have been a part of the show over the years, as as you guys know, talked to lacrosse guys, they're always willing to tell their stories. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're always willing to give up time, and and they can make time for you. And some guys are are shy. Some guys, you know, or especially the younger guys who are just getting in the league, aren't the greatest communicators. Mm -hmm. But then you get some guys that just don't shut up, which yeah. is the best because you can just ask a simple question and they can go on for stories. And, and yeah. you talked about personalities. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the biggest things is, you know, people can be nervous in front of a camera, mm -hmm. but once they relax and settle down, they open up more. And being on a phone is a lot tougher. You talked about this with Curtis Dixon and yeah. how he said, you know, he's tired of being on podcasts where guys answer the, ask the same questions over and over again. Yeah. Curtis, I'm sorry. I'll come up with better material <laughs> next time. Not meant to throw you yeah, under the sorry, bus, dude. But, not meant to do um, that. That's not what we're here for. No, no. Uh, but but it's true because on the, when you're having a conversation on the phone, it's pretty standard, right? Yeah, yeah. And it always still si sounds kind of contrived in your conversation unless you can find that comfortable zone with a guy that you know pretty well. Right. So when you can get guys in front of cameras and get guys to open up, it just creates – um, a better communication level and it creates better storylines because guys just have that comfortability to be able to talk. Well, I think that's what we kind of want to do here too, is like create those ongoing stories. And you know what I remember, and I, I appreciated, uh, the messages from all those at the lacrosse flash when, when, uh, I won, you know, the media person of the year with the NLL, not a big deal. Big deal. Um, yeah. Uh, but, but what you did say in that, and I, I'll remember this is, you know, the big team guys and uh, whatever. We, we had little ongoing things mm -hmm. that became, you know, they, they spread out and, and fans kind of caught on with them. and Became kind of our, part of our culture, as odd as it sounds. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and already with Stripped, we've got like hot bags that people are talking <laughs> about. And, uh, you know, there's going to be little topics that, that come up. Absolutely. They're reoccurring topics. I can't read. And Colt can't read. I can't that read. is going to be my favorite segment of all time. <laughs> Colt can't read segment. <laughs> it turned into reading mean tweets to Colton can't read <laughs> tweets. Ruthless <laughs> tweets yeah. with, with Curtis yeah. Dixon's. Yeah. It's just an inside joke that like I think that I'm trying to read out their tweets, but you guys are just laughing at me because I can't read tweets. But that's right. the best part, right? You, from From content to characters and personalities, that's 
that's what sports is all about. That's what the National Lacrosse League is about. It's just about guys who love the sport and, yeah. and love talking about it. But also, we're all guys. We're all we all have ego. We love talking about ourselves, right? Like, yeah. like listen to you read my resume. Like, that's a pretty damn cool resume. Like, when yeah. I look back and think of some of the things that I've done, right? You've accomplished some it's, shit. It's phenomenal, and yeah. I've been a part of some unbelievable stuff. I've been on things that I've I don't want to forget, but are forgettable. Mm-hmm. Um, Any anything elaborate on that? Uh, well, it's two one in fifteen teams in the National Lacrosse League—that's a, a thing that I'll probably go to my grave with. Yeah. Um, you know, the times in Anaheim were brutal. We played in front of literally nobody in in Arrowhead Pond which was a phenomenal arena right downtown in Anaheim. It's, spot, it's a great spot. Oh. Did you live there when you were there? No, we were, it's funny. I, I was going to move down with Chris Panos and uh, we were going to live down there together and get a place. And I think Cam Bergman was going to join us. We were going to have a house down there. I played and, with Bergie. Yeah, he, he's a beauty. Yeah. And um, it, it was just all part of the process of why that team was folding and, and not being very successful. They just, they would say, oh yeah, we're going to get you this. This is going to happen, and then it wouldn't happen. Mm. And then, you know, we ended up starting to, like, try and find apartments on our own. Like, okay, well, here's this three-bedroom, Newport Beach. Like, we were trying to find the best spots for the cheapest price, and we were finding them. And they're like, oh, yeah, we'll get right on it. Next thing you know, no, nothing. We're just going to fly you guys in. I'm like, well, that's your dime. It's just not set up for success, right? right? Like, it was <clears throat> it was built to crumble. Yeah, but again, like, that was that was in a great spot. Minnesota was phenomenal. I, I can't wait for the lead to go back there. They definitely need to go back because that's a fan base that was ripped of its team. And yeah, they're, they're still and, choked. You'll yeah. see comments from fans posting on certain NLL posts mm-hmm. and saying, so, hey, give us our team. And those back. were two great years. Marty O'Neill did a phenomenal job with our with our group back then. And mm-hmm. we had a ragtag group. You know, Chad Culp was there. Um, Scotty Campbell was there. Scotty, I was playing the game where Scott Campbell was playing defense and AJ Shannon cut across the crease and dove. Soupy was on the backside and AJ crashed into his leg and broke his leg above his ankle. And, and now Soupy's still, still playing, playing, still playing. That's probably 2006, 2005, 2006. And he put up career, a career yeah. year or two seasons Better ago. than he's ever been. Yeah. Who? So who are we talking about? Uh, Scott Campbell, Campbell plays in oh, Halifax, Halifax now. now. Call him Soup, uh, yeah, Soupy. Soupy, Soupy. Oh, Soupy. Campbell. Um, so that was two years in Minnesota, or that was a year in Minnesota. Craig Kahn was there. Um, we had we had a filthy, filthy team, but we just we got caught up in, in a lot of the extracurriculars outside that first couple year, that first year, which tends to happen. Um, and then I got shipped off to Edmonton, and uh, I got have to worry about doing extracurriculars there. There's no, not, not, we nothing uh, to do. There, <laughs> Well, funny thing is we had Jamie Bowen on our team and um, old lacrosse fans and, and maybe some fans from out West will know the Jamie Bowen name. Um, but he had a bar in Edmonton, the no, Thursday no Turtle. Way. And so that was one of the, right on White Ave. So yeah. that was one of the spots we used to go to. We had this post-game bar that was outside of downtown Edmonton called Dante's. And it was just this building in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And they would take us there in limo buses right from the rink, drive us there, drop us off. Glory days. The guy was gonna the guy was there waiting for us whenever the, the bar closed and the night was over. Where is that today? Um Bruce Urban runs a pretty tight ship <laughs> yeah. in Saskatchewan now. So well um, I mean those guys are rock stars in that town. So yeah, they, they I, I got to. a couple buddies in that town and and they all know about the rush. They know who the guys are. Um but this is the league continues to grow and you know I, I talk about good things and bad things in, in the world of lacrosse and in my career and I, I'm happy to say that I was a part of three brand new franchises that kind of helped get the National Lacrosse League off the ground and, and kind of get to a peak point 
and I'm sure we'll talk about this, but you know, the mid two thousands, NLL was, was peaking yeah. and, um, they were, George Daniels was doing an incredible job of trying to grow the game. I think he got a little too big for his britches at, at one point and trying to bring too many teams in, but he set the model for what, what Nick is trying to do now and mm-hmm. go to NBA teams and NBA or NHL arenas and, and get those owners to buy our teams and, and be a part of this league. So it's a pretty cool experience to look back and, and know you, you know, my first year I played with Junior and Willie and Kurt Miloski and Dewey Jacobs and Tim Sudan and Reggie Thorpe, like if legends the, back if, in the day. And then now I, I go through full circle in my last year, I'm playing with Andy Turner and Rob Williams and Matt Disher again and Patty Campbell and like guys from my hometown. Like it was a hell of a career. I, I loved every minute of it, but now I, I get to call all those, all these games and all these guys. In that career that you had, what's the one standout moment you'd say from your entire time playing in the NLL? Um, you, I'm assuming at that at that point you were single. Yeah, yeah. You're single. Well, no, so, I, no, I was not. No, no, you weren't single. Okay, well, that changed. Which, quite. Yeah. which, <laughs> which of those teams that you played in, or maybe in back in the day, like now, you know, guys talk about which which hometowns are the best for you know, maybe yeah. for girls, um, which have the have the best girls, which say which city has the best girls. Today, I think it's Colorado, Colorado, Ca- even Calgary, with, yeah, Colorado, still up there, Calgary. Um, um, but back when you were around, well, Sask is actually a, a Sask now, yeah, underrated it, man. Yeah, it is. But back then, you speak from experience, Tyson. No comment. <laughs> okay. uh, well, Buffalo was Buffalo's Buffalo, right? Like it's cold, but there are a lot of cool bars in Buffalo. There's a lot of great places to go. Uh, always had fun in Buffalo because you could find anything you, you really wanted in, in nightlife or or food wise or lady wise like it was always there well yeah buffalo's got a nice little strip there uh yeah and they had a a bar called the coliseum at one point it was like a four-story building and had probably nine different bars in it each floor had two different styles <clears throat> of bar really so like you walk in and, and the first floor is just like a nightclub then you would go up the stairs the second floor would be like a jazz bar and hip-hop go up the stairs there'd be edm and that's yeah. punk rock and, and then all the way at the top there's like a sky bar we had one of those in louisville kentucky when i was going to school it was insane i remember walking in my freshman year i was like 19 years old or 18 years old i had my brother's fake id but i was walking to this bar that had like eight different bars in it, and i think it's called like o'malley's or something like that i probably butchered that name but anyways something like that and it was just the same thing like it was a country bar a hip-hop club like all under the same roof and it was just such an in- insane thing to see and you could just jump around one of the best party ones party. was uh arizona we, when I was in, I think I played for Anaheim, we had an afternoon game there on a Saturday or a Sunday. What was the crowd like there? <sighs> pretty Better? dismal. Yeah. Pretty dismal. Um, that was maybe their first or second year in Arizona. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that was when, so for people that don't know, when they played in Arizona, they played at Glendale, not in downtown Scottsdale. Mm-hmm. So the Glendale Arena at the time was right beside uh, uh, where the Cardinals play. And mm-hmm. it was literally just the football stadium and the hockey rink. Mm-hmm. That was all that was out there in the middle of Arizona and, and Glendale. Because they were building the community of Glendale around the arena. So when we first started playing there, you drove out there and there was literally nothing. You're, so, you're starting to see that a lot more too in any professional sports. It's like arena districts. Like Edmonton's yep. Yep. doing that now Absolutely. with the Ice District and Columbus has it. And yeah. So we played an afternoon game there. And, you know, you get out of the rink, it's 435. And most places are like, what the hell are we going to do? Yeah. You're in Arizona. You go to a bar that's got an outdoor patio and horseshoes and beach volleyball, and it's just packed with people. And you're just like, all right, this is cool. I can get down with this. Uh, I'm okay with this. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good time. It was a good time. But 
you know, we all know the lacrosse NFL lifestyle. It's usually fly in the day before, get a practice in, get a meal, wake up the next morning, have shoot around, play a game, drink your face off. And yeah. get very little sleep before you have to get on a flight. Oh, and if, man. I remember. And if, 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 you, if, if you're in Calgary and you're lucky enough, you can go to the Chili's in the airport that's open at 8 and, and will still serve you beer. It was, you know, <laughs> you just could, keep, you keep could find the party going. Oh, just keep the party going. You'd, you would find the spots and, and everyone kind of would always know the, the later night spots where you could go to keep on drinking or the places where you could get beer in the airports. Or I remember that going. This is back in the day. Actually, you know, funny you bring up Buffalo. I went down to meet up with uh, Jay Card, yeah. and he was playing for Minnesota Who? at the time. We haven't actually introduced <laughs> Jay Card on the show. You've mentioned Jay a few times on this podcast. Has Jay you, been brought you've up? never mentioned his full know. name. You've you said Jay, Jay? and you said Jay Card, but you've never actually said Jay Card. Jay Card. Well, <laughs> Jay, you said Jay Card. Like Jay Dot Card. Okay, <laughs> sure. So I go down. I met up with uh, with Jay and um, J A Y. Yes. C A R D. There we go. See yeah. now, fully mentioned. There you go. There you go. It's uh, yeah, bring him to life. Uh, so, <laughs> go down to, to meet up with him. And Irv's was playing at the time. So Travis Irving was playing for yep. Buffalo. We're gonna have to have him on because that kid is uh, man, what a character. But so went to meet up with them. We all went out. Some of the guys from Minnesota, Buffalo, got back after the bar to the hotel, and all the guys were kind of like chilling in the lobby and left for the airport at like four in the morning. Didn't even go to sleep. Yeah. Arizona, um, in Everett, I want to say a little bit, in Everett, we would literally party in the hotel lobby. Yeah. And like sit in, I, I used to, that was when I was calling games for the Washington South when they had moved up from San Jose, I was doing their in-house announcing and they would play their games and they had a, a bar in the arena. Yeah. Right up, right up on that main floor, the ice box that they called it was perfect. It was, it was an unbelievable spot. A fantastic arena. I really liked when they played in Everett. But they would be there and they would stay till the bar closed. And then everybody always had boxes of beer in the room for late night anyway. Yeah, yeah, of course. And so we would all just, they'd all just go up to the rooms and come back in the lobby and sit in the lobby and just plunk their case of beers right beside them and just sit there in the lobby and get puddles. <laughs> and, and, and both teams would be there. And yeah. so everybody's hanging out and there's fans hanging out. And that, you know. That's one of the coolest things yeah. about the NLL too. It, like when two teams are kind of in the same market, how many guys have played with one another yeah. or gone to school with one another or are a friend of a friend. And then, you know, the degrees of separation are so minimal. And nowadays with guys going to college, the the bonds continue to build even more. But, you know, it was crazy because, you know, back then they would put teams in the same hotels because it cut costs, right? Mm. Easy one hotel deal. Well, Guys started getting a little out of hand, and the party started going a little late, and noise started, started becoming a little more often, and so they kind of started putting teams in separate hotels. Yeah, um, but you're never going to keep the boys apart. Like, even even when I was in the league, like I mean, that was six years ago now, but like we were staying in this, we would stay in the same hotel yeah. as the guys that flew in. And I remember when we were in Edmonton, um, name goes under mention, but there was guys we were partying all night long with the other team, like right after the game. So. Yeah, that, that's that's one of the best parts about our sport, right? Is because we're all friends. Like, sure, yeah. there's there's a few people that you're enemies with, and you may have a real disdain for that person. When the game's on, it's full on hatred. Yeah. Right? Yeah. As soon as that game's over, you get out of that that post game bar. It is a completely different scene to to watch two guys that just went toe to toe in a game, and then to see them with ties wrapped around their head, yeah, dancing on speaker box in the dance floor. 
just having a great old time because they're best friends. Yeah. It's a really cool View part. Of it. It's, yeah. It's a really yeah. cool part about our league that, that we still have that. And I know there's a lot more guys that I don't want to say take it more seriously because they all do, but mm. there's more guys that there are a lot of guys that still let loose after, after the games, right. Oh, and just you, get you after got it. To. And when you see them the next morning and they're trying to find their wallet or their passport to, to check out <laughs> the hotel and get onto the plane and they realize, Oh crap, I left in the cab or it's back at the hotel or, you know what? I'm just going to skip my flight. Who cares? Well, these, so these guys are professional athletes, but they're human beings too. And, and some of the hardest working human beings you'll find because they're grinding Monday to Friday. And then they're going into a weekend where they're going to practice, shoot around game, it's and then not yeah, an so life, you need right? a, you need a Friday or a Saturday night to kind of let loose and have some fun with the boys when you're on the road because oh, you're right back at it on Monday a and like the, the game takes a toll on your body, the traveling takes a toll on your body. So yeah, I mean, have a little fun, right? And um, I think we want to kind of highlight that too, not incriminate guys and no. and and you know tell the worst stories. But I think like when I'm listening to a podcast, like that's the kind of shit that I want to hear about. I'm listening to like spitting chicklets. I'm hearing about the hockey stories and stuff. That's what I'm like, all right, I'm going to turn this up. Yeah, I, I remember right. in Anaheim, we were, it was early on and it was, I think it was actually maybe even after our, our first, first or second camp, it was maybe our last camp before we kind of started the season. We wanted to get the word out. Yeah. And, uh, we had, again, had Some rented promo like, tour? yeah, like a promo <laughs> tour in, <laughs> in like downtown Anaheim and SoCal. And so we had a limousine. We had, it was me, uh, little Evie, no older Evie uh scott St no sean uh who's the other one scott sean and the forgotten brother steve 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 Evans. and um and cam bergman casey powell was there and we had this limo and we had a bunch of the cheerleaders on our dance team that were with us and they basically had stalked a limo and we were just going around driving around and by the end of the night uh ushers usher was playing the whatever the heck that song was like <laughs> yeah, back in the day yeah, you know the song yeah. i'm talking about that one yeah i gotta pick <laughs> yeah pick gotta, no, but, we, but like we were we were literally they had allowed us to be ourselves and yeah. let loose a little bit but we were we were doing a promo tour. Mm -hmm. we were going around to these different bars and and handing out tickets and um just being complete idiots but still understanding why we were doing it. well and i've said this before too and what I want to do, one was stripped and the lacrosse flash and anything. And I wish I had more of a budget to do it so I could do it full time. But like, I want to make guys look like rock stars because people are going to follow along yeah. with guys that look like rock stars. They're living that real professional life. They want to follow them on social media. They want to go to the games to watch them and interact with them after. And maybe what bar are they going to be at? And really, you know, put these guys up on a bit of a pedestal, not obviously inflate egos too much but make them look like the professional athletes that they are well right? the, the you know the funny th thing is or maybe it's ironic i'm not mm -hmm. sure which word you want to do but the hope is in five ten years we don't have that lifestyle in our league anymore right right so it, it may be a dying lifestyle in, in yeah pro these, these are the these are the uh this is the twilight zone right? for the, the twilight the twilight years what do you mean like, well, the, so the, the, so the goal, years? yeah so the goal for the league and, and by 2023 they want to be at 16 teams yeah so the, that's a plan of adding three more teams between now and then and then they want to get to where it's full-time athletes full-time pay with a full-time schedule yeah and so if that happens then i don't think you're going to see guys because guys aren't going to be 
traveling from hometown to wherever they're playing, they're going to be living in market, flying together, yeah. all that stuff was the ultimate plan again. And so you, you'll kind of lose that lifestyle. So maybe, but you think like I, when I was living in Colorado, I lived with a player whose brother played in the NHL at the time and still does. <clears throat> Corey Smith. Oh yeah. yeah. So, you know, he, they kind of fill us in a little bit about how NHL players live and those guys, Alleg yeah, alleg enough. allegedly party the night before games because often oh, often, oftentimes they're flying out right yeah. after their game. So I think that you can change the game, you can change you know the atmosphere, you can give them more money, but guys are always going to find a way to yeah, party. And I can attest there are guys that I know throughout the league now that are still that way, that the night yeah. before games, whether it's a nervous thing, yeah. whether it's a, a mental thing, um, are still out hacking darts, uh, drinking beers, getting stoned, whatever you want. Like there are guys in our league that that still do all that stuff. Well, and, and, I, think and, and I, I, I don't blame them because it is a stressful lifestyle. But you got you got to kind of highlight the fact that if you were to watch those guys play, I don't think there are there are certain players. Come on, nice. Can't Come read, on. can't drink. Colt's got a drinking problem. Ben's got the drinking problem. That's <laughs> uh, so. So my my point was that. If you're hearing that, you're like, well, you know, what a degenerate, whatever. But if you actually watch them on the floor. I don't think that at all. I don't some of them. No, no, no. I mean, I, I don't. But, if, right. you know, someone listening yes. on who's, who's maybe some may like take that old school, like, oh, shame, shame. But if you watch them on the floor, there are guys who do that the night before. You could never even tell. They'll oh. go out and have the game of their life and it won't even phase them. I knew guys when I played in, in the WLA that would get beyond baked on their <laughs> way to the game. Lasered. And put up six points a night. Every everybody has their own vices, but everybody has their own controls too. Like mm -hmm. everybody, like people know their body and know what what works. It, it's the same with diet. You know, there are people who on game days, what what Dixon said, he would he would eat whatever his girlfriend cooked for him in the, at lunch, and then yeah. would maybe have a banana. Right? There's other guys that are like, I need to eat all afternoon up until my nap, and then. When I get to the arena, I'm having this, this, and this. The other people, give me a pizza. Yeah. Oh, get Subway. Do what works for you. Yeah, right? Right? do what works for you. So yeah. everybody's different. And I, I think we need to still allow people to be able to go that route. I, but I think I do think that once this league takes the next step, some of that will change. Do you, do you think this league needs to like loosen up and lighten up a little bit in terms of like what's put out there? Cause, cause how so? Like, you know, what, what do you mean? What well, puts out there? We've talked about this on the podcast past three episodes, and I, you know, I want to catch myself and not talk about it too much. But we want to do something different, mm -hmm. and I think that you know, relax. We, we started to try to do something different, um, but we were kind of restricted in a sense, and still, you know, a lot of what comes out is is very vanilla. No, like, and I and I think part of that, I think part of that may be culture because we're only starting to see that in other sports now as well, right? Yeah, no, that's true. So that's, that's we're true. only starting to see with the dawn of social media, with the dawn of instant access news. It's like NBA kind of opened. Yeah, but I, I think that, that was that was an NBA culture thing. I think though, I think in the NBA, those players are a lot more outspoken, a lot more brash than a lot of other sports. Yeah. So I think when they could allow but, their players to be a little more vibrant a little more wild a little more precarious in what they talk about and what they do but from a social media standpoint and a str uh, strategic standpoint the league was choosing to release that information and 
you know, sharing uh, certain players saying things coming from their own account. Like the NBA right. is doing it too. They're like, yeah, sign off on that. No problem. Well, I you know, so you're wanting the NLL to retweet. No, no, not necessarily. Uh, Christian Del tweets saying. <laughs> no, no. That the guy who doesn't have enough goals shouldn't be able, should be getting major. I'm not sitting here necessarily, you know, having the answer because it's tough when the NLL is the primary supplier of like analysis, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, they don't have, there's no TSN, there's no um, other outlets that are really covering them doing that. But there's got to be some sort of way where we, we do you know, give these guys a platform to just kind of be themselves a little bit more. Yeah, no, I, I think in in any business or entity, you have to allow your personalities to shine. I mm -hmm. think all of that needs to get, I think, you know, I, I truly believe that in our culture and because of how close the lacrosse family is, mm -hmm. guys aren't going to want to throw other guys under the bus. No. Right. They're, they're not. And, you know, I'm sure we could all tell, wild and crazy stories of guys being drunk, debaucherous, stupid, crazy ass things. Right. But I, I think there's a time and a place for those stories. And yeah. sometimes to the public domain, that's not that place. So I think you're always going to get the reserved stories more than the far out yeah, stories. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if there's ever, you know, may, you might get to the point where it's a guy who's so far out of the league that he's not still associated with the league and associated with guys in the league that then he might be able to start telling those stories. Like right. I still have guys that I played with that are in the league. Yeah. So like, I wouldn't want to be telling that story. So if there's ever a day that, you know, a Reese Dutchess, I don't think I'm just using Reese's name, but you know, a guy that I know personally that I played with, you know, until that guy is out of the league, then yeah. maybe those stories start to come out kind of thing. We spoke about that with, with Del Bianco and like lots, lots of times people mention us are like, are we, are we trying to be like spitting chicklets? And me and Tyson kind of said, you know, we, we can't be like spitting chicklets, right? No. Because it's not the same atmosphere. It's not the, we don't make the same kind of guys don't make the same kind of money where they have fuck you money, where it's yeah. like, you know, you got the ex NHLers who are now retired. They don't have any bosses to answer to. They can come on and tell all the stories they want about exactly. doing drugs, having sex with girls. Like, you know, that are the kind of stories that yes, a lot of people want to hear, but the, the other kind of interesting stories that like we want to tell are, you know, what players are doing in their personal lives, you know, apart from the partying, we do want to hear that we, you know, everybody loves hearing that, but you know, what they're doing in the community, there's lots of guys doing, that are working with charities that are starting up their own lacrosse foundations, things like that. And I'd like to get into that too. This has been a thought and kind of like a vision for the podcast where we have, and I, I've already spoken to a couple people about this, but like, you know, maybe like a sports psychologist come on here and, and have a discussion with us about certain topics or uh, like a, a neurologist, like what, what are the hits on the cross doing to your head? If you get in a fight, what's it doing? You know, so on yeah. and so forth. Crazy. But I, I, I can't read. So that may be that. <laughs> I just <laughs> watched the um, killer inside mind of Aaron Hernandez. We were just, yeah, we're talking we about did too. He was watching. Um, and, Same and with it, young Ben over there. It, it's funny that you talk about neurologists and CTE and, and, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy that stopped playing because of concussions mm. and, I was to a point where I was getting one a season at, at minimum. Yeah. And like once I, you get one, it just opens the, it the doors totally does. for more. And, and you become, you can become aware of the symptoms and yeah. to see uh, what junior sales brain looked like compared to a normal brain and to see what Aaron Hernandez's brain looked like compared to a normal 27 year old's brain yeah. to see the damage that is done in violent collision sports is scary. Yeah. And 
you know, our our game is not as violent as football, but mm. it is as physical. Yeah. And guys, because even bumping shoulders with a guy can rattle the brain. Yeah. Right. And so, um, you know, I deal with depression. I deal with short-term memory loss and anxiety and all those things. And um, I'm happy that my inner circle of friends and family really pushed me to go get medical help Mm -hmm. and seek doctor's opinions to help me curb my depression because I had a lot of bad times. Mm -hmm. And it would be vastly important to have neurologists and psychologists and sports therapists and all those different people on a show like this or any of the podcasts or shows that are out there just to open that door of communication because you know aaron hernandez they talked about you know when you're um a power player in a sport Mm -hmm. you have that mindset of fight through the pain yeah play through the injuries it's 40 million dollars right Right? but you know 40 million dollars yes i get that but even in the National Lacrosse League, now it's a little different. You yeah. know, they're they're taking concussions and headshots a lot more seriously in all sports. But you know, five six years ago, you could get a guy's bell rung and he would be Sean Evans, probably a prime example of a guy that's probably been hit so hard that he gets knocked out a bunch. Right? Yeah. Myself to say, you'd get hit, you'd get knocked down. You'd, I got a headache, but I'm not going to tell anybody. Oh man, I've seen. And you'd go right back out playing. there, right? Like yeah. it's because you don't want to look weak. You no. don't want to look soft. The guy who doesn't come back in the game, right. can you imagine? Like, or you're right on the on the cusp, like you're of being in a full time player, right? Like a younger guy gets hit, who's like kind of in and out of the lineup, yeah, and, and he's having a great game. You're like, oh shit, I don't want to. You, you know, don't jeopardize your don't spot. Wanna, I did that in Colorado. Like I I hurt my wrist and I taped up my wrist and I was playing through the pain just so that I didn't lose that spot because I was playing every game and I'm like, fuck. Like if, I, the, if I don't do day, this, you're doing even worse damage to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And in concussions is probably the worst thing to go back early from because you're not letting that swelling in your brain yeah. subside. So like I said, I think it's great that our sport and all sports are doing a better job looking after headshots and head traumas and post-concussion issues because at the end of the day, it is a really, really scary epidemic in football, in our sport, in hockey, boxing, like these full headshot contact sports. Like we're going to have more and more stories of these as the year goes on. Hopefully a lot of the stories are happier that people are just dying of old age and want to dormant the brains and they're not taking their own lives because they just can't handle or, the pressure yeah. or others right? or others yeah, exactly. yeah got- i think i think you got to open up the communication about that mental health like you said and, and hear it from notable athletes in the sport or maybe coaches and have coaches and general managers talking to their players about maybe a time when they struggled uh, yeah. i spoke with someone who's doing uh, a tedx talk in uh, bear creek so surrey um, and he came on and, and he kind of opened up the conversation on the radio with me. And I started talking to him about stuff that I've dealt with when it came to mental health mm-hmm. issues. And he was like, do you see what, what just happened there? Because he brought it up. You know, I felt, you felt more comfortable, comfortable talking about it. Exactly. So I think that needs to happen in the league for, for certain players when they're coming up through the ranks. Yeah. And I think know, again, to, just to, to be vulnerable. Yeah. Be vul- just be open to the conversation. Yeah. And, you know, I coach, uh, the junior tier ones in Victoria and, I've had some of the kids' parents come up to me, you know, my kid's going through some tough time. Um, we've got, you know, he could just do someone to talk to. It's mm-hmm. not us. And on our team, we have an open door policy where kids can text us, call us, come into our coach's room whenever they want. And um, just this past year, 
through the group of our kids on our team, one of their school friends committed suicide. Wow. And so at a it's, young age too, yeah, right? And you know, these kids are 16, 17, 18 yeah. years old. So that's really affected a lot of them. Right. And um last year I went through a, a major, major personal struggle because a, the guy who lived below me in my apartment building committed suicide and I yeah. found his body outside my building. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Um and so I went through a massive mental trauma. And so I, and I've had friends pass away from suicide, drugs, car accidents, all that stuff. So mm-hmm. I kind of know what these kids are going through. Like we all do, right? We've yeah, all yeah. had loss. So we have this open door policy that all these kids can come and talk to us. And it's funny because, you know, you, you can see that the kids want to talk. Yeah. But it's getting them to feel safe enough to talk well it's it's that relating so if you're able to share your struggles or what you've been through as someone who played at a professional level and is now involved in the game professionally still and you know you're someone that they look up to if you're like hey you know this happened to me last what was it you know summer it was was the day before my birthday yeah the the anniversary of when my best friend committed suicide i remember the the group chat and just being like whoa what uh what happened like we we didn't really know but you know hearing that i think it's it's an awful thing to have happened but it does open the communication up for the kids to you know oh i can relate with this guy he understands me a little bit more and you know that's it's a safer spot than for some of those kids to then talk to their parents yeah yeah because a lot of kids feel that parents will judge them or you want them to be strong right and so i think that's one of a uh one of the roles that we play as role models as coaches as athletes um that you have to be that safe spot for a lot of these people one of the things too is is knowing your surroundings to that right it's it's one thing for you having you know those issues going on but like you may think okay it's not that bad and it's not that bad you don't really know how much it's affecting you to others like you, you got to look out for your buddies if you see that your buddies you know is change of demeanor things are going on in his life he always seems down you know to look out for that like tyson you mentioned i think it was last night you're like man my mood like just from like the job he was working you know he was, was down and taking I, on so much i like, could tell day after day you know it's like i come home and by again you, you're doing all right so like it's being okay with asking your friend if he's okay too is, is another thing you know and opening that door sometimes for somebody who isn't you know maybe going to be the first person to say something that's going on i think one of the troubles though is is we're so programmed to be like good how are you because it's such a an element of small talk in our society yeah you're like you see someone hey how's it going today good how are you right it's just like a reactionary response your response isn't going to be oh well actually yesterday the guy below me jumped out the window committed suicide i found his body and i've been feeling like shit for the past three days i can't sleep i can't eat i can't look at my building i can't go outside for a walk I feel horrible. I probably should have done something like all those things with your head. I don't want to bury Colton in, in those yeah. thoughts, right? Like, no, yeah, sure. I'm having a great day, but thanks for asking. I'll listen, man. Uh, That's the thing, right? Like, just ask. Ask yeah. if someone's okay. Yeah. And if they say they're okay, great. Just then ask them again. And you don't have to pry it out of them. You don't mm-hmm. have to force it on them, but just, you know, make sure, like like Colt said, make sure you're in a safe spot. Like whether you're driving in cars together or just sitting at home playing video games, just like press pause, man. 
You okay? Yes. Speaking of which, Tyson, Tyson knows, you know, I'm going through a breakup right now. And Tyson, you haven't asked if I'm doing okay, because man. Because that breakup okay? will not last, my friend. Oh, <laughs> that, that breakup will not last. Oh, you don't think so? No. I, Return to I, I don't think it's the end of it. But oh, okay, uh, okay. That's so that, that's your theory behind it. It, okay. it is 100%. Fair enough. Because I know, I know I'm going to hear, hey, babe, how are you in the other room? Yeah. Uh, is that why your hair is a little <laughs> off disheveled? Yeah, no, but if you look, if you, if you, if you, <laughs> Delves episode. In the Delves episode, uh, he Tyson comes in literally uh, sitting here on Monday, on Monday with Logan Shuss. We're watching the Bachelor because he's doing some uh, he's doing some scouting for doing some for research net, for his next show. show. Yeah. For yeah. Next show, and Tyson comes in and he's never said this to me before no. in my life. He's like, "Dude, you look like shit." <laughs> <laughs> I was like. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> uh, no. I, what did I say? Did you get into one this weekend or what? what? I did get high school drunk though. In fairness, like yes. there were there was some emotions going on throughout the weekend, but I did also get high school drunk on Saturday night with my buddies and it was out till four in the morning, late night poutine. You know, cool. sometimes you gotta do it though. I end up couldn't get a cab home, so I ended That's, up paying oh. for a seventy dollar limo. By no, my, you did you? By, by myself. By myself. I was. You that, yeah. Where were you? I literally just remembered it. <laughs> I was like, how did I get home? Where were you? Uh, we went to the Roxy Roller, man. Okay, we went, I've, lived, I've lived in this area. Yeah. That's a tell 20 me minute walk home. Oh. Yeah, but it was snowing. Dude, I've done oh, yeah, it was Saturday <laughs> snowing. Right? I've done Saturday it before. Snowing. Vancouver just, and nowhere in BC has Uber or Lyft, and I'm going to lose my mind. I remember coming home from Hotel Belmont, which is like same direction, Look. right? And it's pissing rain out. Like, it's thick, coming. Uber's thick coming. rain. Uber's coming. And I was just soaking wet. Phone's dead. <laughs> Two o'clock in the morning. Can't get a cab to save my life. Everywhere is like taken or, you know, if you if you ask him to kind of pull over. Left his keys or lost his keys. So he's calling me. No, not that that wasn't this <laughs> that time. Wasn't That's that happened time. before. That was a <laughs> so I get home. I'm screaming on the way home. Like, got a, got a serious buzz on. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, just get me a damn cab. I want to go home. My It was like I went in the washer myself, like tucked myself in. I was drenched. Yeah, was I wasn't brutal. walking home. So Winter's coming. 70 bucks. So was, dude, it's coming. John Horgan said that like three it's years coming. ago. I'm going to apply to be a driver. Are you? I got nothing else to do. Talk some. I thought about NLL it. I do, I do traveling sales. Like if I was going to Chilliwack and just like pick somebody up, like, <laughs> somebody. Get, get, paid to, get paid to drive there. Be like, yeah. I don't know if you can choose like that. I don't know how it works. You're going to get class four well, driver's license, somebody, which some, is bullshit. Somebody along Okay, so I'm looking into that. Right? Like getting your class four. I hate that. And so... You literally have to like do air brakes. Air brakes. What? For like semi trucks. No. Yeah, that's part of the class four. What? Yes. Really? It's not that hard. It can be that hard. Well, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it'd be that hard, but like literally, so if you're going to go and take your written test, cause you still have to get a learners and mm-hmm. do all that crap for you. Why your do class. they make people jump Thank through you hoops? Thank you. Bring that up. Is that, is that, is that facts? <laughs> that is a fact. Look <laughs> it up. How to become an four. Uber driver in BC. Class four needs air brakes. Okay. So this is what I'm looking into. Okay. So I went to the, dmv the other day yeah and hey i want to be i want if i want to drive an uber what kind of license do i need and she's like oh you need a class four because yeah. it's a commercial vehicle it, it covers cabs mm-hmm. ambulances um semis anything that, that can carry up to 10 people and over like mm-hmm. up to 10 people and then people of over that limit and yeah part of the process is knowing air brakes i don't think you have to take an air brakes course you're like, but I drive a five-seater vehicle. Yeah, like I'm, <laughs> I'm driving a small SUV. What the heck do I need? You, air might, you so might that, but again, down. that's been part of the biggest issue mm-hmm. of bringing Uber to BC is because they've been trying to figure out what, how to make it viable. 
and yeah. what license you need and what insurance you need. And like I said, I said this to my brother. I said, there's no way a cab driver can tell me anything about air brakes. No, no. chance. They can't even. I, I, I heard it was. They can't tell me where I live. When I tell them where I live, they can't figure it out. No, really? but a lot of them turn you down. Like if you're not going far enough, they'll be like, that they'll the literally worst. drive off. There's nothing more that makes me want to catch up to them and scream in their face. You got cash, bro? What? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You got cash, bro? Well, no, no, we no. pull it's, up like it's, it's You got a card? It's you got 20, a card? 20. Oh, you don't have cash? No, if I had fucking cash, I'd be paying with cash, dog. Like, <laughs> uh, idiot. But uh, I, I heard this because. What do you got, Ben? Hello, hello, hello. Um, I got, <laughs> yes, well, I was ready to go over here. Awesome. Uh, I got nothing about uh, air brakes, but you were right about the max up to ten passengers, so you can be able to drive taxis, limousines, ambulances, and shuttle vehicles. That's class four. Yeah. Shit. Welcome to the broadcast, Ben. Is that uh, facing them? Get again. What? The, ca- the camera. Oh, yeah, he's right on. Good. Right on. <laughs> that was a super segue. That was a side tangent, <laughs> side tangent. That's professional we're, shit. Were, we've come a long way from episode one. Right? Oh, we had yeah. shitty USB mics. Now we got yeah. producer Ben. We got someone to throw to. You don't got camera crap setups equipment we anymore. Like, no, we, you got guys. Better, we got better beers and things to drink, better gas. Well, oh, I mean, yeah. I'm the NLL's favorite. I don't think I'm the league favorite. Right, let's get into the, that. Those let's other get, guests let's get into are that. great. What are I we think getting you're, into? you're our front runner well, okay, for so, media person of the year. I mean, other than the guy who can't read, I think, you know, newcomer. Newcomer. Oh, <laughs> so, you um, get yeah, best you, rookie of the year. Yeah, for rookie sure. of the year. I touched on this, like your persistence and, you know, sticking with off the crossbar. We're going to have to have a little party, I think, for uh, that would be awesome, eh? Maybe in like the NLL semis or something like that. A we have a, together? Like, a, like an off the crossbar party. Maybe I'll surprise you with that. Anyways, your your, per, your persistence now has I'm been going to be surprised for the surprise. Yeah, because I have no idea what he was talking about. No, like like an anniversary party, like a, de- oh. a decade of off the crossbar. Oh, May third, twenty twenty. I got you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there you go. Okay, deal. So, anyways, you stuck with it for so long, and finally, finally, like I would say, probably two years ago, Steve Govick gives mm, you the opportunity. I think this is my fourth year in Colorado now. No, crazy. Really? Yeah. Uh, uh, this is my fourth year. The first year was Govick as GM. Second year was Dan Carey as GM. I mean, you know better than I would, but. Concussions, memory, hello. I I can't remember. I think (laughs) it's third. Anyways, third third or fourth, whatever. So you get that opportunity from Govett. He brings you down. You crushed it, dude. You were were awesome on the broadcast. Enjoyable to listen to. The inflection in your voice is there. You were a natural, like a seasoned, you know, pro, like you'd been doing it for your entire life. Um and now you're you're given a lot more opportunities going to the draft with the NLL, uh, doing the rundown, going to be in Vegas. Yeah. Uh, so that's pretty pretty awesome. Um, you know how how does it feel to to have all that kind of come to fruition now? And it's 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 been really cool to see with someone who stuck with it for so long. There was a lot of frustration mm-hmm. in those early years. Um, early years, like when you first started. Yeah, and 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 truly, I think I think a lot of my frustration was because I was working in the radio industry, yeah. and I was working at Team Ten Forty here in Vancouver, and I was understanding, I was learning the fact that there is the hierarchy, and that you know guys like Blake Price and Matt Sikaris and uh, Barry McDonald and Don Taylor, like those guys aren't going anywhere. Even though they've been doing it for 15, 20, 30 years, they're still not going anywhere. So to have that mindset of like, oh, I'm 
going to be three years out of radio school and all of a sudden I'm going to get a, an afternoon drive show on like the number one sports radio show in Western Canada. Like that's not going to happen. No, right. Like, no. so there was a lot of frustration in like, well, what the hell am I going to do? I, I, I can't get a job in the field that I want to be in. I want to be in sports radio. I can't find this job. And that's when I kind of moved back to Victoria and started calling Victoria Shamrock games and really getting into just what I love doing. Making your own opportunity. Yeah. Kind of, right. And it, Literally, it just so happened that Govett was watching a Shamrock game one day and he tweeted out that night, besides our broadcasters in Colorado, I think Off the Crossbar does one of the best jobs out there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I tweeted back at him and said, oh, by the way, Steve, I'm willing to relocate. That was literally how it started. Yeah. And he met, he called me the next morning and said, uh, are you serious? Yeah. And I was like, yeah. He's like, <laughs> well, just so you know, like, I don't know if you know this, our main guy um is moving on to a different job so we're gonna need a guy yeah and that's how it started and, and i was over the moon thrilled and i've never changed how i've called games i've always had the same passion and intensity as i call games as like i played games because i'm a huge fan of the sport yeah and i get excited no matter who scores and obviously i kind of have to tone it down a bit when the visitor score we're playing in colorado yeah. but i remember like i got brad challenger and i got shit on for doing that Calgary Buffalo game, the NLL final game too, they were calling us homers. And for, I'm like, for what fucking team? I'm like, I call games for Colorado. Brad calls <laughs> games for Vancouver. Like neither of our teams are in this, but I think you know fans kind of got a little upset because you know you're well, you're pumped. About well, I, I was team. pumped because like it was just a hell of a game, right? Yeah. So again, you know, haters gonna hate, but that's all cool because when you got haters, you made it, as you said, right? That's a Tyson Geikism, <laughs> I believe. Um, so. When when you when you finally get an opportunity, you still have to take baby steps. Mm. Like you can't all of a sudden be given. Like I didn't go into the job in Colorado. Okay, now I'm working for the Mammoth, <coughs> which is owned by Altitude, which owns the Avalanche, and which owns the Rams, and which owns the Nuggets and Arsenal. All these different properties. I'm not going in there saying, "Oh well, I'm in." Yeah. I've learned my lesson now, right? I'm not just going to say, "Oh." Put me on altitude TV. Like, let's right. do this. Right? Let me like, do. Let me do. Abs yeah. Games right. Like, let me do that. Like, that's not going to happen. Yeah. So I still have. I still understood that I still had to bide my time and just keep my nose to the grindstone and continue to call games as best that I could. Make sure my podcast was as best that it could. Um, make sure my guests are knowledgeable and pertinent and bring something to the show. Like, I just kept on building everything that I did. You know, building the brand, as they say, I guess. Yeah. Um, and. I, I just I just kept the lines of communication open with the National Cross League. And when Joel Feld came in, it my once I got the Colorado job, I was I was feeling confident because I was in a market that was steady. Yeah. They were never gonna go anywhere. Like no. I'm not fearing for my job. I'm not worried that they're gonna fold or move or like I'm it allows set, you to do right? you. Right. And it allows me to be me. Like they love everything that I bring to the table. They appreciate all the advice and, and insight that I give, and they're always coming to me for for highlights and, and voiceover work and all that stuff. And that just continues to show that I've proven myself. Mm -hmm. But I once Joel Feld came in and saw what I was doing and Matt Hutchinson from the call or from the, the Cronky Sports group, who is um, the Mammoth uh, Board of Governor member, uh, he went to bat for me with the league. And Joel Feld and I have created an unbelievable relationship um, and he has just put his faith in me and, and some of the others that they rely on to continue to bring 
information and content and give them a, a continued professional feel towards everything they do. So it, it's been a phenomenal ride. The, the draft was something I never thought I'd be able to do, especially being a Western guy. Like I never thought they'd fly a guy from Victoria to Philadelphia to call a draft. Like that was mm-hmm. never in the cards. I always thought, you know, it was going to be Steven Stamp. He was always going to be their guy because the drafts were always going to be in the East. Like, they're well, never they're never gonna draft Oakville out Ramsey, right? Then, yeah. Or Oakville, right? Like so they they had their guys. And you know, I I don't want to use it as an excuse, but I often say that at times I, I got looked over because I was on the island and I wasn't willing to leave the island at the time. Mm. And part of that is true. Like I love island life. I, mm. I love being able to golf all year round and be able to swim in the water, climb a mountain, go skiing, play golf all in one day if I wanted to. Best place to live. Not that I ever would, but because love it. Weird. But, you know, I, I always kind of had that feeling. And, and when I got reassured from Joel that I'm being rewarded for my work and not because they want me to relocate or it's because I live on the island that I wasn't no, going to make it work, that. Right? Like, Yeah. And that just gives me the reinsurance again that I'm doing the right thing. So yeah. when they, they talked to me about Vegas, like I'd kind of put it in Joel's ear a little bit. Um, because you know it, it kind of made sense being a, a Colorado San Diego game that that I would be there, but San it's a San Diego home game, so it's their game to call, and I'd never take that away from those mm-hmm. guys because that's their game. But, um, but when he invited me to come down and be a part of the broadcast with Devin, and we're gonna do some pre and post stuff, maybe a little bit of halftime, um, it's gonna be phenomenal. I, I just another opportunity to help grow this game and and make all of our broadcasts that much more better. To be honest with you, like me and Tyson, we expected the call too, but I guess just being so early in the podcast, they uh, didn't want to, didn't, oh, you want, to, got the call yet? didn't want to fly us in. No, oh, this oh. is awkward. Um, I, it's question, coming. I think question, lines are crossed. Question for you though. How did you know that you want to do this? Like, and this is a Tyson question for Tyson too, because you guys are kind of in the same, you know, genre. Of- I, I was always into sports broadcasting. Like, like I'm a huge wrestling guy. Yeah, you. I, <laughs> was it you? Um, uh, like I, I'm a, I'm like Jim Ross, like Jesse Ventura, Gorilla Monsoon. Back in the day, like Vince right. McMahon, like all that. That was the boys. The boys. <laughs> that was that was that was the best, right? Like that was. I just loved that stuff, and I loved listening to Don Cherry and Howie Meeker, and like those guys brought in. T- Chris Berman was like my idol. Like I still yeah. have so many old highlight tapes of Chris Berman rumbling, bumbling, stumbling, and all that stuff. Like, that that just made me want to be on bark, TV. Bark, bark, and, bark, bark, yeah, like yeah. that shit, right? Like, no idea when you get is, to but. be a complete personality and be yourself and have fun with it, it I always knew I wanted to do that. Um, and what, if, what a rush it is, right? Going, like, I get this with the Canucks. You're kind of walking through those doors, and it's just, like, an incredible feeling. Like, there's nothing for me that is anything like that. It's just, like, the best drug there possibly is like it gets such a rush from showing up every night and doing that job and you know walking away and it's and not a lot of people get to see the things that we see behind the scenes no, you know you get so to cool. go you know the back entrance of rogers you get to go in the tunnel you get to go all the way to the press box and the catwalk like you yeah. get to go all over the arena when you yeah. like i can literally if i wanted to walk into pepsi center through any like staff door screen my pass and walk in i could go to a Avs game, Nuggets game. I could go to concerts, like if I wanted to. You, I don't get that. You, 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 you'll get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. You'll get a little reprimand. But your say, pass gets you that. But is my what pa- you're saying. All right, but yeah, <laughs> my pass gets me in through all those doors. So like, 
I could really go in so many places within Pepsi Center that nobody would ever get to. Yeah. We need to put that to the test on an episode where you're going up to you go just, up to like a concert and scan it and it just doesn't work. You're like, oh fuck. It was funny <laughs> enough because uh last maybe last year or two years ago, it was during the off season and all of a sudden a check showed up at my door. I was like, it's been like three months since I've called him out with you. Why am I getting a check? So I called Dan Carey, who was jamming at the time, and I said, What's up with this, man? And he's like, I don't know, let me look into it. So he called him back the next day, he goes, you weren't in town last weekend, were you? I was like, no. He goes, someone signed in with your pass card and went to a game or something like that. And so they got docked for working and they got paid for working and they thought it was you. I'm like, sick. <laughs> He's like, tear up the check. Yeah. Like, oh, you should have cashed it. But again, you, know, you, you got to. How much was that check for? Like 450 American. Not bad. I would have cashed it and, you know, begged for forgiveness if they caught yeah, me. Yeah, I probably should have done that. But <laughs> we wouldn't be where he is now doing something right? the NLL if right. he did. Yeah, so yeah, we would have yeah, got yeah. out. But, you know, for, you know, talking about persistence and and having the access to behind the scenes stuff, for all those people that want to get in this industry, just bide your time. Don't try and jump the queue. No, you, that's you, it. There, Trust the process. There, yes. there are There are the odd people that will be able to naturally make that jump from like right out of school and they're just so talented and charismatic and personable that right away they make it. Well, yeah. Or even without that, sometimes Any, the right person right just, place, right just time. yeah. Anybody they, who comes to mind. They don't have to be the right person, but they're the person in the right place at the right time. Anybody right. who comes to mind. For me, I think that Kyle Bukakis guy, he's been, been around, <laughs> is that his name? Yeah. Bukowskis, but he's but like he's been, he's insane he's at what good. he does. He's he's good he, he was he's been on the air for how long? He looks like he's twelve years old. But yeah. he he doesn't come to mind to me because like at twenty two, that kid was crushing. Like okay, he was so the guy, the guy that he jumped, the guy that comes to mind for me, um, and he is great at what he does now because he's doing been doing it for so long. Is Shani? Okay, so when The Rock first got on TV, they just needed somebody, mm. and I can't remember. Shandy and I have talked about this. I can't remember the exact details, but he just, he happened to be in the right place at the right time. And they said, you're not playing anymore. Do you want to call, call games with Joe Bowen? And he's been, been lacrosse's biggest advocate and voice ever since. Yeah. And you know, if he wasn't in that right place, at the right time, it could have been somebody else. Yeah. And if I hadn't tweeted at Steve Govett, I may not have the Colorado job. So a lot of it is talent and persistence. Some of it is just networking and who you know. That's it, man. I, if, if Truly, if you're not networking in our industry, if you're not sending out resumes and sending out emails and just messaging people and say, hey, this is what I do. I know you kind of do the same thing. You got any tips? All it takes is one, yeah. right? Is is like you can get, and it's so hard doing what we do. And I think this weighs on me a lot of the time with the stuff that I'm doing. I've worked so hard at it, but you get rejected or not even responded Rejection to. Rejection sucks. Like, it sucks. No response is even worse. Oh my God. Like someone probably opened up your demo reel and said, ah, fuck this guy. See you later. Right <laughs> next. And they don't even respond. Like you're not even worth the response. And like to feel worthless like that. And I know you shouldn't. And it's like, yeah, you have to grow that thick skin, but to feel worthless and not get those breaks and stuff. It, it fucking hurts. So here's my first break in the radio industry. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to Columbia. I graduated from Columbia Academy. I'm working at Team 1040. But again, I'm 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 up in the morning shows. I'm yeah. doing overnights, but I'm still sending out demos and resumes to every small town in from BC to Manitoba. Mm -hmm. 
I don't want to go past Manitoba. That's just kind of where I was. And so I end up getting a call back from a girl from Terrace at the radio station in Terrace. And she's like, we're really interested in you. Can you do a second interview? Great. Do a second interview. Great. She loved it. All is good. I talk with the HR people. Everything's good. I do my final interview. Everything's great. You've passed with flying colors. All our people like you. This is great. Hopefully you'll hear from us a couple days. Um, I'm shopping for winter jackets with a buddy. We're going to go up to Whistler. And my phone rings. I'm like, holy shit, this is the call I've been waiting for. Mm. So I step outside and she's like, yeah, we're going to give you the job. Congratulations. You got the job up in Terrace. I'm like, holy shit. My first legit, you know, I got my job at 1040 because I started interning there. So mm-hmm. I just rolled in. But this is like my first radio job. I'm going to be got, the, Yeah, it's a it. double station like you know. So I'm going to do mornings on the rock station, afternoons on the country station, yeah. double dip. It's going to be wicked. Yeah. So... I go to work, give my two weeks notice. I go to my apartment, give them my month's notice that I'm leaving. I'm starting to arrange all my affairs and all that. And then all of a sudden I get a call from the girl. She's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I can't offer you the job anymore. What? I said, pardon? She goes, well, I just, so I was taking over for her. Called the wrong name. No, she got promoted from her job to program director. So now she was making the calls, but she didn't know because she was part of a larger company that she didn't have final say. And so you have to be kidding. So the final say came from, I think they were, might've been chorus. Mm -hmm. So the, the head guy was in Kelowna for them. And so he hated my demo and he hated how I sounded on radio. And so she didn't check with him and he's like, no, no, yikes, no, I, his demo was terrible. And so now I'm like, I got to go ask my job back, tell my landlord that I'm not leaving. And the guy's like, so the girl was like, here, so we're going to reopen the position. I'm like, are you kidding me? She's like, we're going to reopen the position till Monday. Can you get us another demo? So you have to redo it? So I got to redo my demo. So I redo my demo and I send it in and she's like, okay, great. Thanks. It's awesome. I appreciate it. So I called the head guy like that Monday. Yeah. And I said, what the hell is going? He goes, you know what? If you would have sent me the demo you just sent me now first, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I was like, <laughs> he's like, your first demo was junk. Wow. I'm like, but she loved it. And she just hired me. He goes, she doesn't have final. Story. It just goes to show, though, that I've, I've been in these shoes before with, it's crazy, with man. professional sports organizations where I, I felt that certain people wanted me, but yeah. there's always that extra chef in the kitchen who maybe has that final say that is looking for something Something that you don't have, right? Maybe you didn't grow up in that market or you don't look a certain way. You don't sound right. You don't get it to them. And and that's it. So to, to five other people and in your position, you know, the one girl who gave you the job, you could have it all, but she's like, I feel so sorry. This is my first hire in my first position. She's like, I can't offer you the job anymore. I'm like, you just like messed up my life I went a little bit. So wasted that night because I was in yeah. the like literally. It was all in the same day. It was you got the job. Yeah, job. I'm leaving in two weeks. Apartment. I'm giving it up. Great. Let's go figure it all out. Three hours later, I can't offer you the job. So stick with it. Is the moral <laughs> of the story? Yeah. So there's going to be doors that get slammed in your face. There's going to be yeah. times where you get looked over for other people that you think are less qualified than you, not as good as you. But you have to realize that what you bring to the table may not be what other people are looking for. And that is a huge part of our industry is whether it's your look, 
your sound, what what you're able to discuss and talk about, your professionalism, like all those things go into a, account. So you can't just base yourselves on what you've done in the past. It, it, that doesn't matter. Yeah. So for for you guys, um, before you go on air, before you go on TV, do you guys either you guys get nervous? Oh, you can see I'm sweating. Or like to relate, not just because of light. Like I sweat. I am a sweater, (laughs) and sometimes it's nerves. Yeah. Sometimes it's the heat. Sometimes it's my anxiety, and sometimes it's all that stuff. But I, I was always whether I played, whether I'm calling games. There's nerves all the time. Yeah. Anything that you tell yourself before you go on, right? Any like rituals, like, like that you would bring, you that you bring from you know your sports background before I, you oh, go on air. Oh. You know, do you do you tie your shoes a certain <laughs> way before you go? My first couple years of Colin Shamrock games, after I had stopped playing, I was still bringing up a liter bottle of Gatorade, a Red Bull, and a Power <laughs> Bar, and I would slam half the Gatorade, pour the Red Bull in, eat the Power Bar, wait an hour, and then right before the game, wait, started, wait, wait, chug wait. The so rest you mix Power? Do you pick, mix Powerade and Red Bull? Oh, 1,000%. We need to create... Like, it's actually Gatorade. <laughs> what are we going to call it? It's like Teddy's drink. We're going to create it now, and it's going to be sold in gas stations like Pink Whitney. Turn, turn up Teddy's. Turn up Teddy's. Teddy's turn up. Teddy's turn up. There you go. Hey, we're, we're starting it right now. Uh, yeah. New Amsterdam, if you want to <laughs> have a non-alcoholic <laughs> beverage. We're, with your pink we're, not, we're not very expensive right now. I, so. I think, you know, when I go to do it, one of my biggest things, and, and this... I fucking hate auditions still to this day. They're way worse than actually getting in there and doing the job. Like way more nervous oh, in front of a small crowd like that because you know what's on the line. But my knee would shake and still kind yeah. of like it's that it's gone away now a little bit more. A little but nervous twitch. I definitely still get nervous. You know before. No, I'm not shaking at all. It's I don't know what's happening. Earthquake. Yeah, maybe we're on the. Let's I, go. I am the same way. Like. I'll, I'll catch myself when Chewie and I are doing pregames or when we're on when we're on camera. I can feel my left leg shaking. And yeah, it's, it's just it's just a nervous twitch, and it's just it's good to have those yeah. things. But, but it's it's funny how like how far you come and the more reps you get, the oh, better no, you get at it. So I, I don't. I, this you, happened Canucks game like a couple maybe two weeks ago. Um, I'm kind of in the room, and I guess this game we. I have a time. I know what time, like 620, yeah. 6.20, 6.23 is my scary. first hit every day. But I guess it was bumped up a little bit. So I'm down. I'm kind of strolling out in the arena super slow. And I hear my earpiece, uh, you're up in a minute. And I'm at the Olympia Tunnel, which is like where the Zamboni comes out. And this is like other side of the arena to the side. My yeah. first hit of the game. I'm like pushing people all the way. Got to go, whatever. So out of breath, dry mouth. And I got to go, <gasps> And yeah. then he's like, bam, you're oh. up. And I just, I did it with like, I, I don't want to say with ease because inside I'm dying and I'm like, just get through this, just get through this. But I, <laughs> I pulled it off and I'm walking up the stairs and be like, you're natural, man. I'm yeah. like, I don't so, feel like it. Remember drafted? Of course. Uh, how could I forget? How could we forget? So <laughs> that's how we actually became friends. We, the non-drafted family. Yeah. Um, shafted by drafted. I'm, pro- I'm probably drafted. still feeling the effects yeah. of writing that article. But uh, <laughs> So we when when we were filming the sort of the first night of all being chosen, yeah. we had to do this little challenge. And one of the challenges was we had to answer five random questions. And then for, for every one that we got wrong, we had to do push like 10 push-ups. I got yeah. four of them wrong. So I do 40 push-ups like on the spot. I had worked out in a year oh. or whatever. So I like <laughs> rattled out. And I'm in like a... A dress shirt and pants. So I rattle off these and 40 push Yep. Massive pits. Then we had to run out the hallway in the elevator, up three floors, down a hallway, and then go read a prompter screen. Yeah. I literally 
as soon as the elevator doors opened, I bolted down this like 50 yard hallway, turned a corner, went to the prompt. She's like, do you want to read it over? I'm like, no, let's go. And so starts reading it. I'm like, Jose Arutue had done the home run and the base Blue Jays. And I remember like, I was so out of breath. Yeah. You're fired. And I remember going back. I remember watching. This is like a competition. It's like yeah. much VJ search for like sports broadcasters. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so I remember like I was so out of breath and we had to do another challenge to go back down. And I remember when they re-aired it, when they aired it and Greg Sans- Sansoni mm-hmm. was, was behind the scenes watching. He, and they have him mic'd up and he's saying, Teddy, take a goddamn breath. <laughs> I was so tired from running 50 yards. But the lesson that I learned was don't ever run before you're about to be on a microphone. <laughs> yeah. Right? right? Like little things you learn. still doing right? it, but. And that show was a, a crazy experience that I learned tons about myself, mm. about the industry. I got to experience some incredible things. I'm forever grateful for that chance. But. Yeah, that was a bad moment for me. <laughs> a bad, bad moment for me. <laughs> a dark time. Right. A real dark time. Guys, we got a hard out for Tyson at 3 o'clock, and it's 2.59 right now. Shut so up. We've two, talked that long. We've talked that long. We haven't guy. even talked so about lacrosse. I got one, I one more analyst question Jeez. for you guys, kind of just to leave on. Um, what current player right now do you think that has a chance of leaving behind a legacy such as Gate, um, Grant, Tavares, in your guys' opinion, guys who watch watch the game. This is what comes up in the GC media house, yeah. Guy Clark, if you're wondering. Uh, <laughs> no, but we, we're just like sitting around talking. Colts like, huh, who do you think is going to leave the game and be like Junior? So I didn't say just a, him, just, just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I mean, like, so like in 10 years, who's the guy we're talking about? Exactly, yeah. That's still in the game. Or do you think that the game has so many talents at the same level right now that it's kind of, you know, there isn't that just one standout Is guy. Graham Hossett e- getting there? Because he's been brought up on this team, podcast Each team, like you, you look at a Mark, a Mark Matthews, he also has a Ben McIntosh and a Robert Church that are, you know. Yeah, but you put on Matthews on any team and he's going to. True. But not not taking put either anything one of those other two, McIntosh but or Church. Well, let's pick a, like, pick a player. I, I, I think if he can stay healthy. In the next five, ten years, I still think Mark Matthews is around schooling fools. Yeah. Uh, just because his body is so big and he's so naturally skilled. Um, and I, I don't know, like I played with Junior, and I don't think I've seen too many people since Junior to now Mark that can take one step inside that dotted line and or the line and rip a shot and beat a goalie top corner. Like he does it consistently still. And yeah. it's phenomenal to watch. And Junior used to do it all the time. I think Mark has an incredible future ahead of him. I think Lyle has an incredible future ahead of him. Um, but like you said, Cole, the, the amount of talent that's coming into our league every year and every rookie class seems to producing more and more filthy young players. Yeah. And... That's only going to allow our game to continue to evolve. And I don't think we'll ever see anybody break JT's record. I don't think that's ever going to be touched. No. Um, literally, you're going to have to play 25 years. And as our league gets longer and more physical, I don't think guys are going to have that longevity. So, you know, if, if you're looking at like an Evie, could he play five more years and probably be in that category for sure? Dan yeah. Dawson, absolutely. Yeah. Like yeah. you can get a couple more years out of Dawson and Evie, and they're gonna be top five all time forever. But 
to have it, that consideration that like your name is up there beside John Grant and Tavares and Gabe. Because those are those, to those me are the, the two guys. Those are the two guys that will like in the next in the next group of next greats. Yeah, it's Evie and Dawson because those are the two guys that have been playing in our league for the longest out of who's playing in our league now. Those are two who are still active in the scoring races. I think Dawson and Evie will go down as two of the best right-handers. It's probably going to be a, a really strong argument over who is the better right-hander um, of all time because they're vastly different players. But of the next group of all-time greats, it's those two. You're going to throw Vino in that mix. Um, and then probably your next group are like the Matthews and the Dixons and the Thompsons and the Hossicks, but Cody Jameson. Oh yeah. No, yeah. I, I'm going to forget her name. Yeah. Jammer yeah. is phenomenal. Shame, shame on and you. if you didn't have to deal with those injuries. Man. Yeah. You know, and you can look at a lot of like, look at a guy like Jesse King, like that guy cannot catch a break. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Like every time he's about to really reach his potential, something bad happens to yeah. him. And I'm not saying he, he, he's of that echelon, but He's a guy that could be just like Jammer if it wasn't for all those injuries. Like, yeah. you know, we're going to talk about Dolby for years. We're going to talk about Jammer for years. But the next group of guys that are all-time greats, it's Dawson and Evie by a landslide. Hard out. To hard out. All solid. right. Teddy, thank Man, you. We, yeah, we could we go on for like two hours. Gentlemen, I didn't we'll even have get a, to we'll, ask you about your picks. We'll have them on again. Thanks for listening to The Strip Podcast. Catch a new episode every Wednesday. We're giving away prizes every week. Follow along with our social channels at Lacrosse Flash. Mm -hmm.